We could survive that. We could survive that. We could survive. Hello and welcome to We Could Survive That, your survival guide to the movies. I'm Jack, and today I'm joined by a man that I'm going to give an introduction to in such a way that if I die, which is probably very likely because I'm quite sick, he can listen back to this and it will give him hope in the darkness that my passing will inevitably leave behind. Edit this podcast, Chris. Get it out, you goof. (laughs) You're not going to die. You have a tiny cold. Get over it. You're going to be fine. I don't know why my immune system is so weak. I've been sick three times this year, Chris. And we're only in February, Jesus. Mid-February. Mid-February. mid-February, really. One more day to mid-February. God damn it. I hate this year. It sucks. But you know what sucked even more, Chris? Don't say Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, 2014, because we weren't around podcasting at that point. We started okay. podcasting <laughs> in 2015. And do you remember what my my first real hatred film was that I laid into in that podcast? I do not know. It was... Uh, remind me. It was fan stick, Chris. But if we'd started a year earlier, it probably would have been The Amazing Spider-Man 2 that I laid into first, because... Oh, boy... <laughs> That is not fair in the slightest. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a far superior movie to Fan Stick. Yeah. Okay, I gotta, I've only seen Fan Stick once, I, but I'm pretty sure. I agree. <laughs> I agree with better. you. It is much better than that, but this film does have problems. Um, it, it's it's directed by Mark Webb, who came back. It's two hours and twenty-two minutes, Chris. But I did extensive research on everything around this film because there's a lot that went on around it and i managed to find on youtube a compilation that lasted 26 minutes of extended footage and uh, footage that was shot on the street from fan cam and stuff because the original footage of those shots hasn't been released to the public webb falls into a trap that Zack snyder would fall into in 2016 with justice league and then again with Rebel Moon, where he just shot everything and then in the editing bay had to try and cut it down to a reasonable length and had to mash a story together from a bunch of missing puzzle pieces and try to get around them because there is a lot in this film. It is so dense. I wouldn't say it's overly dense, except this time we have not one, but two villains that one Chris, main villain, and I, another one that was sort of shoehorned in there a little bit. Chris, I was going to save this. So let's do the survival bit, okay? Let's see which villain kills you. Will it be the rhino before he gets the rhino suit? Will it be the rhino after he gets the rhino suit? Will you be murdered by Electro? Will you be murdered by Green Goblin? Will you be murdered by the plain assassin? Will you be murdered by Gustav Fears, the gentleman? Will you be murdered by the Oscorp middle manager that betrays Harry Osborn? Will you be murdered by Black Cat or the Spider Slayer who is also in this film? Chris, okay, well... Chris, whoa, I'm not done. You might even be <laughs> murdered by Norman Osborn who's got a disease that seems to be turning him into an actual goblin. I'm not done, Chris. You might even be murdered by Norman Osborn's frozen head that is <laughs> in basement next to the Doc Ock arms, vulture wings and the green screen that was going to be the Venom symbiote in that basement. Chris, I am now done. Which of those villains in this film do you think will murder you first? (laughs) 
None of the villains. All right, Black Cat is not really a villain, and she's not even Black Cat in this. All right, we we, we introduced her. She's in a couple of scenes, and then she's never seen again. Played right, by um, Felicity Jones, who is great and very underused in this film. The, the frozen Norman head was this in the deleted footage you saw? Because I never saw a frozen Norman head in the basement. Yeah, it's not in the actual film, but it is in deleted scenes. I wasn't entirely convinced he died. I thought he was just sort of faking his death with his weird goblin disease stuff. He might um, be. He might come back as a head in a jar in a robot green goblin suit. That would have been awesome. But no, I, I, uh, I don't know who would have murdered me in this. I don't wear any rubber suits, so probably Electro would have taken me out. In fact, I would have died in the initial police chase going after Rhino, you know, pre-Rhino man. Yeah, um, I... I like what they're doing, you know, Spider-Man is saving people and, you know, he saves uh, Jamie Foxx's character and gives him a little bit of a pep talk, but there are several moments where cars are being flung and there are people in those cars and they're being crashed into it and Spider-Man's not doing jack shit to save them, so they're dead. He can't save everybody, he can't, he can't save everyone, but he can spend his time, like, having a joke with Electro uh, whilst Rhino is ramming through street loads of cars and then go and stop him. Yeah, the toll of being a superhero, you've got to be able to take it lightheartedly and laugh at it, otherwise it will, it will, it will take the toll on you and you'll snap under the pressure and um, you won't be able to do your superhero duties. You've got to laugh in the uh, face of destruction and death as the, the family wagon, you know, the family four in it is flipped upside down and they're crushed and they all die. He needs to crack a joke at it, otherwise he's not going to be able to sleep at night, you know? Well, let's let's chart the emotional arc of Peter Parker in this and see how many jokes he gets in. So he's initially sad because Gwen Stacy dumps him, cause, or he dumps her. No, she dumps him because she's like, I dump you for your, your bullshitting. Because, uh, you know, you're sad that you got my dad killed. Uh, so then he dives into, you know, mysteries about his dead dad and roosevelt which is a train thing and then he's sad that he gets back together with gwen stacy and then he's sad that gwen stacy's going to oxford and then 30 minutes into the film he's sad that harry shows up and then he's sad that harry is dying and then he's sad that maybe his dad was a traitor and then he's sad that spider-man is hated by harry osborne and then he's sad again that gwen just decides to leave without saying goodbye to oxford then he's sad when... No, no. Then he's happy. <laughs> is he happy for a little bit that Gwen is he leaving? He's happy for a little bit when he says to Gwen, I'm going to come with you to England and, you know, be Spider-Man in Oxford. And then they're really happy because the big guy love you on the bridge and that's the happy moment. Oh, and then he's sad when Green Goblin kills it. Uh, <laughs> Gwen. And then he's sad a bit more. He's sad for six months or however long it is. And then in the deleted scenes, he's sad when his dead dad shows up. And, yeah, all of that stuff. He goes on a real journey, and it's too much. There's so much film in this film, and it's not good. I, I will say, watching it back, I didn't have the... like, And I think this is true of a lot of films that you watch initially, and like, ugh, I don't like that. The sting of this film's disappointment wasn't as strong as it was, but it did feel very... Okay, and now we have to go over here to see what Electro's doing in prison. So it, it it all feels not connected. Gwen and Peter worry about Electro when he's seemingly done after their first fight, so I don't understand. And Harry shows up 30 minutes into the film. That's 
that's too long i mean you could have saved the green goblin arc for a third film and like we could have gotten to know harry and his plight of being kicked out of oscorp more so we get to like harry and sympathize with him turning into a goblin man without him rushing through his arc all in one film I will agree with you on that. The goblin stuff was rushed in at the end. And other than that, I didn't think it was anything. I, none of the film felt too disjointed to me. There wasn't any scenes I was watching where I was thinking, oh, maybe there's a deleted scene this is meant to tie into. And that's why it feels a bit choppy. I, I didn't get that sense from any of it. Obviously, there was, as, as you said, footage in there. But yeah, I think my only gripe would be the Green Goblin stuff being sort of, like I said, shoehorned in. Perfectly happy with the film. I, I remember watching it and thinking, yeah, this is great. And then being disappointed when there's no more coming out and it left all the unresolved stuff in it. That, that's my biggest gripe with the films. And there's so much... <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so much unresolved stuff in it. And you you asked me last week about um, the mysterious man with the hat. The, uh, oh the, yeah, hat man. The, the, the bad again. guy. He is Gustav Fears. In the comics he's known as the gentleman. And he is like a D, maybe even an E-list Spider-Man character who shows up in a comic arc to reform the Sinister Six and then he's shot by the chameleon and dies. He has no superpowers <laughs> whatsoever. His inclusion isn't... He's just there for, like, ball-teasing spin-offs and sequels with the Sinister Six and stuff, so... As, as a Spider-Man villain, he's not very compelling, and in this he's also not very compelling, because they're trying to do the Nick Fury guy that l- links everything, but they're doing it without the charisma and actual character of Nick Fury and Samuel Jackson. How does he vanish out of the cell at the end when he's, uh, the first when he's talking to um, Dr. Connors? The Magic Adjustment Bureau hat, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume he hasn't got powers that, obviously, Oscorp probably directly owns or if not secretly owns or funds this prison so there's probably got hidden tunnels in the cells he uses for dramatic effect or maybe the lizard was just hallucinating and everyone is (laughs) just imagining gustav fears um apparently maybe the the plain assassin was gustav fears brother but uh we'll never know because we're never coming back to this universe the thing is all of spider-man's villains have like their own genius and stuff so doc ock creates the arms vulture creates a wingsuit and in at least in the animated 90s cartoon he can drain people of their youth so just having all of their equipment just be in a basement and then the film being gustav fears going around going your name is doc ock i've got some, <laughs> some octopus arms that would go great with your name and you could be a villain so yeah it it takes away all of you know the fun of those origins and they're just here's here's a backpack with some arms or some wings or here's a vial of goop that talks and might be an alien who knows i mean we never get to find out fully do we but perhaps these people had already been working on these arms and backpacks whatever and stuff and then they're being funded by oscorp so once they complete it oscorp like okay you've done it now we're going to take it off for you you know like they did with kurt connors in the first film and electro in in an extent uh, in in this film a lot of his motivation is i designed the electrical stations that are powering the city and i want to take them back so yeah. yeah exactly there you go see that that very works out then but doc ock it... made the arms they're like that's nice doc ock our arms now see ya but wouldn't it have been nice if we'd focus more on electro and his plight and felt more sympathy for him like 
he's too cartoonish in this, and I don't know whether that's a choice by Jamie Foxx to make him a cartoon character. There's also a deleted scene where he's living with his mother, Chris, which they had to take out because a, a lot of Oscorp's plan to oust Harry is like, this guy's a nobody, we can make him disappear until we need his body to frame Harry for health and safety violations or whatever. So, yeah, and, and that obviously wouldn't have worked if his mum had been, hey, in the film. So, yeah, why they shot that, <laughs> I don't know. This could have benefited from a tighter script. Because like, all, all films could benefit from a tighter script because then you're saving money on not shooting a bunch of unnecessary things that are never going to make it into the film. Yeah, and they wanted Electro as the primary um, antagonist anyway, because uh, the film's The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I think its international title, whatever it was, Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, Rise of Electro. I mean, I felt sympathetic for Electro anyway, but yeah, they could have built up a bit more sympathy for him and stuff, and maybe had him have some more interactions with Spider-Man pre-Electro um, sort of stuff. And like you said, that would then build up the sympathy for Harry later on. Yeah, and after as well, because like the Sam Raimi films, the first two at least... They have Spider-Man battling with his foe at least three times throughout the film. So the first time is is usually when he's meeting the character for the first time and he gets his ass kicked in a way to sort of establish that this is a, a threat. The second time is uh, usually a more even contest. And then the third time is when everything's exploding and it's, it's, it's all on the line. So I think... Spider-Man 2 did that best with Doc Ock's bank scene, the train scene, and then with the power of the sun in the palm of his hand, Chris. So they missed out on on that because they only gave Electro the two fights. And, you know, if this film was better paced, you know, we could have had the first one where Electro's just getting to grips with his powers and he's sort of like, ah, Spider-Man's on my side. And then the second fight where he's like, no, you're not on my side. And then the third one where he's bringing planes down and stuff like that and taunting him with the itsy bitsy spider well as i was going to point out at least they gave electro some cool fight music his itsy bitsy spider fight music and also his uh when he was in the uh times square i had his little dubstep song that was coming on then as well so that was good green goblin didn't get any cool music no green goblin didn't get anything cool chris (laughs) (laughs) green goblin that um for some reason, when injected with venom from a genetic engineered spider, would make him goblin-y. I don't know why that would or not. It, um, it, I, d- I don't understand, because like, we, we meet Harry, and his dad's like, you've got a goblin disease, and you're going to look like me. Norman's, like, 60, and Harry's in, in his... In, in his Yeah. So, and then he goes from the start of the movie to, like, halfway through, he's, like, got the shakes and then he's going to turn into a goblin by the end of it. His journey in this film should have been him meeting Peter and going, yeah, I'm I'm back because Dad's dead, and I'm going to use Oscorp to finish his research and cure this goblin disease. And then his, his story should end with him finding out that Spider-Man in some way holds the keys to his cure. And, and then you can do the third film with him, being the main antagonist and going, hey Pete, I need to know who Spider-Man is so I can ask for a cure. And him going, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to sequence his DNA and stuff like that. And Peter going, oh, won't that tell you who Spider-Man is? And yeah, that sort of conflict. Because there's no reason why Peter would, would be nervous and it's never explained. So it should be that 
you know, I'm scared that you're going to turn into a big spider monster like the lizard or something like that. So that should have been more of a conflict that's fleshed out. So I don't know. This is too much crammed into too long a time, Chris, because this is a long film. Which is weird as well, because they, when they were making this, they didn't know this was going to be the last one. They were under the impression that they were going to have at least Spider-Man 3 and 4. I don't see why they couldn't have spaced it out more. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's just trying to cram too much in at once, isn't it? And uh, that's what causes it all to fall apart, unfortunately. You say you've delved into all this. It's, what are the reasons and stuff that 3 and 4 didn't come about? Because you said last week to me that Andrew Garfield was fired from the, the films, which surprised me. I didn't think he was fired. Yes, no, he got sacked uh, by Sony. So uh, he was supposed to go to a meeting with the Sony CEO, but due to uh, a medical reason, he was unable to attend. Um, and that meeting was about um, The Amazing Spider-Man 3 was going to be released in 2017. So it was, it was something to do with that. But yeah, he no-showed and the CEO fired him and everything got scrapped. So that's how it ended. And this came out in 2014, and the previous one came out in 2012, so there was a two-year gap. So the fact that they were, you know, going to wait until 2017 shows that they knew that they'd messed up with this, and they were going to put a bit more planning into the third one. And then, yeah, the Sony hacks kind of ruined everything, because they were going to do an Aunt May spy movie and a Black Cat, Silver Sable film and a whole bunch of other spin-offs that nobody wanted and then they persisted and, <laughs> and did it anyway with Morbius and Venom and Craven and Madam Web so you know Sony's still going strong with their Spider-Man cinematic universe without Spider-Man in it so yeah there's there's a lot to to unpack do you want to have a, a listen to some of the other cutscenes from this film yeah, yeah, so you said you've got 26 minutes of footage you found for this in total. Yeah, there's so much, Chris. A lot of the footage that wasn't available in the cinematic form, shall we say, is uh, MJ. Mary Jane was supposed to be in this. She was going to be played by Shailene Woodley, who was up and coming, but all of her scenes were cut. She is still in the movie. There's a shot of the back of her head <laughs> as her car drops onto another car. Uh, but... <laughs> But that's about it. So there, I think there were going to be like three or four scenes with MJ in it. There was supposed to be a scene where Spider-Man threatens MJ's dad to be nice. Uh, but that's cut out. There's a couple of extra scenes with Harry and Peter chatting. And Harry saying that Peter's under surveillance. Which is in the trailer as well for this film. Where Harry goes, well isn't that the question of the day? Regarding why is Peter being followed by... Uh, Osborne's men. There's a bit where Peter's dad shows up at Gwen's uh, grave and basically gives him the it was your destiny to be Spider-Man and you know with great power comes great responsibility he actually says the line Chris and that oh, was so this meant to be like a vision as he didn't actually show up. He's no still he dead showed dead. he showed up Chris. What he survived the plane crash? Yes he survived the plane crash and showed up. There's also an extended a plane crash fight scene where Pete's dad picks up the parachute. So that's a little like line up to him having made it out of the plane in in one piece. But yeah, the fact that he's still alive is so silly. A lot of this film is sort. <laughs> I've I've highlighted this Chris in my notes, and I wasn't sure where to put it, but I'm I'm going to put it in here. Peter wears the spider symbol on his chest, Chris. Because that's the symbol of hope from his home planet. 
Why? Because <laughs> we talk about it's a spider symbol because he's fucking Spider Man. <laughs> no, because a lot of this film is like hope, and the whole Gwen Stacy speech, and everyone's talking about how Spider Man gives them hope, and Harry's like, oh... Spider-Man doesn't give hope. He's a meanie that won't give me his blood. It's all kind of very heavy-handed themes throughout this. And then, yeah, Peter's dad just shows up and is like, I I knew there would be a day when you would be really sad and I would have to come and tell you great power, yada, yada, yada. So it's it's a bit smoother that it's Gwen's really ominous high school graduation speech that's the thing that gets him out of his grump and slump, Chris. So... Yeah, it's it's not ideal, but it's it's better than a, a dead dad showing up randomly, and and yeah, it's it's just not good. Yeah, the dead dad stuff showing up wouldn't have worked for me either, and it would have been like, oh, where have you been all these years? Oh, I'm hiding from Oscorp, and then I saw your Spider Man, and only one person could be Spider Man. It must be my Peter or something. So yeah, that doesn't sit well at all. So I'm glad they kept all that stuff out of there. Bit of a dick move on this Sony CEO firing him for just missing this meeting, especially if it's a medical thing. Did he not just reschedule it, or was he like, oh, well, we're going to have to fire him because his franchise is dead in the water now? Like I said, I don't think the second film was that bad. It's weaker than the first, and it's certainly not the best Spider-Man film, but it's not the worst Spider-Man film. I think it was I... a, a salvageable franchise. No. Well, first off, Chris, you need to remember that CEOs are not like normal people, Chris. They get paid an insane amount of money to be as out of touch as humanly possible with <laughs> normal regular people so yeah they are they are not normal people but this w- wasn't going to work chris um at least not the way that they were doing it because they were scrambling to try and keep up with marvel to build their own cinematic universe and they were rushing to do it with a, a sinister six avengers team which they are now slowly building uh, as much as i don't like it, it it's it's not my cup of tea so i do think this might be the worst spider-man film i would be interested to hear what you think is the worst spider-man film uh the worst out of all of the live actions and the animated although i i I doubt that any of the into the spider-verse films are going to be on the shit list because they are both very (laughs) good films well see when you put it like that now i'd have to come down to between that one or Spider-Man 3. I'm going to have to rewatch Spider-Man 3 and I'll, I'll let you know which one I think was the worst one overall. But I'm not saying... That's not fair, because you're putting words in my mouth. It's not a bad <laughs> movie. Just because it might be the worst Spider-Man film doesn't mean it's the worst superhero movie. It just means the other Spider-Man films are really good. Oh yeah, because we all know Morbius is the worst superhero film. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. It's shit. I'll tell you you're wrong. It's so bad. It's, <laughs> it's awful. so good. It's a superhero movie with a villain at the lead. Not just any villain. It's it's a superhero movie with a villain in the lead, with Jared Leto playing it, and it's basically the script that would have been Dracula Untold 2. So that's how bad it is, Chris. It's so I've bad. Venom. Venom's a superhero movie with a villain in the lead. They're, they're anti-hero movies, aren't they? Yeah, but the charisma of Tom Hardy carries it. The charisma of Jared Leto is like being hit in the face with a wet fish. It's this not is your good. personal Jared Leto stuff going on now. <laughs> look at look at Jared Leto and then look at Tom Hardy, Chris. Who would you rather have a beer with? <laughs> at least Tom Hardy's not going to try and try and drag you into a cult, Chris. Come on, be yeah, reasonable. Yeah, fair enough. Yes. He'll probably drag you to another pub, which you'd hate, but, you know. 
<laughs> it's, it's good. He'd probably buy around Chris. Jared Leto would not. He would pretend that he forgot his wallet, and then leave. I don't think he would, but that's fair enough. He's a horrible man, Chris, and he smells. Not that I can smell him because my nose is blocked up horribly. But yeah, again, this film has got stuff going for it. Again, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are, are really good. I think they could have dropped the first breakup because that takes up too much time and it leads to Peter being a weird stalkery creep, which isn't great. Electro is, is fun, and if they'd devoted the whole film to him from turning into a goof into Electro and then into a even more scary Electro, that would have been fun. Uh, yeah, it's it's got potential, but it's it's too much. What about all the conspiracy stuff that's going on in this film? You know, they set up in the first film, we go into more of this, and there's the stuff with Peter's dad and what he was working with the spiders, and then the Roosevelt Laboratory, the hidden train that's underground that you need special coins to come out of, and all that lot. Because we never spy on films, we don't have so much conspiracy stuff going on as we do in this one. Do you, do you like that sort of side of it, or would you rather no. just ignore it altogether? I wish it would yeah. be ignored because it's not interesting and it takes up too much time. And like, Spider Man doesn't need to be like a force of destiny like his dad says in that deleted scene. So I, it, it, it takes too much away. And, you know, there's a 10-minute a fight scene on a plane with two people scuffling before we get to, you know, the, the character that we care about. Because I know they've done stuff in the comics, but there's a reason that Pete's mum and dad are hardly ever mentioned. It's because they're not very interesting. We don't care about the parents. We care about the, the little orphan boy that becomes a spider-man or becomes a wizard or you know it's it's not that that interesting so yeah and i suppose they would have had to eventually have answered the question in the in the third film but then what's what's the point because norman osborne is apparently dead um so unless you bring him back as the head in the jar like going after peter uh but it's it's too late he's a head in the jar he got killed by the goblin disease uh, and and you know, unless his dad comes back, what's what's the point? Who is Spider-Man f- fighting at this point? Who? <laughs> what? What is the point? Well, I suppose that they had plans to it, and that it was all going to come together beautifully over the next couple of films. Um, well, that's how I like to think about it, anyway. You also said earlier on that the Spider Slayer was in this. Is that the big robotic spider thing? Yes, so Smythe, he's a character I only know from, again, the 90s animated show. So he's a a guy in a hover wheelchair that um, makes a load of spider robots that go after Spider-Man. And then he later mutates himself into a weird monster with, like, shoulder acid-shooting cannons and stuff. And he basically torments Electro in this. He's He's a bit of a workplace bully, so... Yeah, not not a nice guy. Oh, fair enough. Okay, I, d- I didn't know that. I just thought he's some, like, um, goofy scientist they brought in for those couple of scenes. I didn't expect much more from him. See, I wasn't familiar of, of, of that character at all. He's quite low-tier Spider-Man foe, like like Gustav Fierce, Chris, who they were <laughs> prominently placing uh, for some reason. Do do you have any idea what the is there any leaked stuff or any like pre done scripts for Spider Man three and four? Was was anything ever done on them at all before it got cancelled? 
Uh, not that I know of. Um, there might have been, but I again, I don't think we have the like detail that we do for the proposed Sam Raimi Spider-Man four. So yeah, I, d- I don't know. I think they probably would have done like a Sinister Six film at uh, some point. I don't know whether that would have been Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man three, or whether it would have been Amazing Spider-Man three and then Sinister Six doing like a Suicide Squad esque thing. It was my understanding that the, uh, the Sinister Six was meant to be a spin-off, and then I was on a quick read through some stuff, and there's some interviews from Emma Stone in 2015 where she was in talks of possibly coming back and bringing her back to life, and it was to do with, with Carnage and all that, lots of um, getting involved in it. There were several endings as well proposed for this, so some of the writers involved in this were also some of the writers involved in um, Star Trek... Two, the new one, the reboot one with the super blood that saved people from death, and they were going to do a similar thing here with Gwen, where Spider-Man gives her a transfusion to, you know, cure her smashed skull, and then that blood would give her superpowers, and she'd be his, his blood transfusion. Sorry, yes, he would give her some blood to repair her smashed skull. And it would save her, and she would have spider powers. So why would he do that for Gwen? But he's too scared of doing it for Harry. Cause he's not—he's <laughs> not in love with Harry in that way, Chris. That makes absolutely no sense. I mean, because the whole reason Harry, Harry's like, I, I need your blood because it gives you—you you have this healing factor from it. Because you know, Spider-Man gets banged around a lot, and well, normal people would probably have their rib cages crushed within the first day or week, and he's obviously able to bounce back. So he has got accelerated healing to a degree. So if he's if accelerated healing was, oh, I can repair Gwen's skull and make her Spider-Gwen, then he should have just given some to Harry. Fucking hell. I mean, yeah. Also, in one of the deleted scenes, Harry is showing off a, a an exoskeleton suit, the one that he puts on uh, as, as his Green Goblin outfit, and he's like, oh yeah, this suit has a healing factor in it. So just wear that fucking suit. <laughs> so... Because, you know, he injects himself with the venom and then he goes into the suit and it heals him. (sighs) I mean, I I assume the suit was meant to be worn during battle and would heal, like, you know, know, battle-induced injuries, gunshot wounds or broken bones, not genetic disorders. Well, apparently it does. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't don't know, Chris. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, why did they bring the Goblin and stuff into this anyway? Because um, they, they'd obviously done the Goblin stuff for the Sam Raimi trilogy, and they're like, oh, we're going to bring it back into this. I oh, will skip over Norman and go straight to Harry. But they obviously used Lizard and Electro in this because those characters hadn't been using the Sam Raimi's ones. So maybe they didn't need any Goblin in any of the films because we've already had Goblin, and uh, they could have used you know, all sorts of other characters and stuff instead. Yeah, like Hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking Hobgoblin. No, yeah, I do agree that this film would have been better if Harry had been, you know, in the background doing his own thing and slowly getting bitter at Spider-Man. And then instead of Gustav fears, it's him going, well, I need to take down Spider-Man, so I need a team to grab him so I can steal some of his delicious spider blood. So that would have been more palatable tease and it would have meant that the film was a bit shorter and we didn't have another third act on a third act that just seemed rushed in after the Electro fight. Or, if you really want to murder Gwen Stacy, 
and you know cut out one half of of the best thing you've got going in this film and get rid of Emma Stone then you could just have Electro kill her instead of Green Goblin and that would have been more of a shock electric pun intended Chris (laughs) well they're trying to build up this you know the relationship and the 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 anger and the rivalry between um spider-man and goblin aren't they which um, it's going to play on the later films and all that lot but um it was all for nothing anyway so what does it even matter because it all, all went down the drain yeah and also if it had been over you know more films it would have felt more epic rather than rushed and like an afterthought i don't know they're also desperate to get rid of gwen so they could bring in the because uh, he said they filmed all these mj scenes so they're also going to bring mj in and then they would have been setting up with gwen coming back as carnage and then she would have seen Peter and MJ together and we had this love triangle and that lot. <laughs> but, and um, yeah, you know, you, maybe that's what they were hoping for. You know, they wouldn't have been able to resist putting Emma Stone back in the film because she's a draw. So yeah, they would have brought her back and her death would have all been for, for nothing. So yeah. It's, but instead, the, the death did mean something and we get a uh, a more upset and traumatic Spider-Man that appears in, in, in No Way Home that tells Peter he stopped pulling his punches and probably ended up killing criminals from the sounds of things. I mean... Probably not, Chris, because it's owned by Disney now, and they don't approve of that that thing. So <laughs> he pulled Paul Giamatti out of that rhino suit and gave him a real big black eye, and then nothing bad ever happened because Gustav Fears, I don't know, tripped over and 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 fell into a manhole cover, never to be seen again, because the Sinister Six never appeared, and that was it. The last weird thing that happened to Andrew Garfield Spider-Man was him fighting. Paul Giamatti in a big rhino suit, so yeah, good times, Chris. Good times. <laughs> well, we know he definitely did encounter uh, Venom because he says he never fought an alien before. So we know Venom stuff never happened in that universe. Yeah, nothing ever happened after that because the film got cancelled and he got <laughs> sacked. So yes, good times, Chris. Good times. Uh, anything else to add about Amazing Spider-Man Two, Chris, or can I go and have a lem sip and a lie down now? You can have a lem sip and a lie down, and I will say, Amazing Spider-Man 2, I still liked it. You still liked it? <laughs> I like most films, I can't help I it. I know, was that, when you originally watched this, what were your feelings on it? Because I really didn't like it, um, and then yeah, like I said, coming back to it, it didn't sting as much, but it's still not good. Do you know, I can't remember the first time I watched this. I remember the first time watching Amazing Spider-Man because I was like, holy crap, new Spider-Man film. This is amazing. And I watched it and I loved it. And this one, I don't remember the first time I've watched it. It's just always been in my head that I've seen it and I know what happens. Okay, so <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember. It, it left no mark, so you must have repressed your memories about it, Chris. It must have been that traumatic. So I have the DVD of it, so <laughs> I don't know. I must have enjoyed it enough. Or maybe you got given it for Christmas. <laughs> Quite possibly, but I know that I've watched it more than once, so, uh, you know, and I imagine in the months to come, I will probably end up watching both of them again. I doubt that very much, but yeah. Next week, Chris, Madam Web. We're looking forward to that, aren't we? <laughs> Madam Web, the, the lady with no spider powers, but has psychic mutant powers instead. So that's fine. Uh, do you think... Is it, Dakota Johnson's playing her thing, so you know I, it should be a good film. Uh, I know you enjoy the Sony Spider-Man movies. I do not. And uh, Dakota Johnson said in a press conference, "It's hard doing the green screen stuff because you don't know whether it's going to be good or not." So sterling endorsement. Um, I think she was <laughs> tricked into doing this and didn't realise it was in the Morbius universe or a Sony film, and she thought she was going to be, you know, uh, maybe one day meeting. 
Chris Pratt or Chris Pine or Chris Hemsworth or whatever Chris is in the MCU. So, yeah. In short, Chris, Sony lie to get people into these films. (laughs) (laughs) Do say that, but don't you worry. I'm sure Madam Web will be good, and I'm sure it will lead us nicely into Morbius 2 and Venom 3 when they'll cross over and they're all going to fight together and uh, it's going to be great, this new Sinister Six film they're building. You optimistic fool, Chris. We <laughs> could survive that at gmail.com or tweet us at we could survive to crush Chris's hopes and dreams. <laughs> and <laughs> never going to happen because Sony's going to keep milking this for as much as they can, so we're going to continue getting these beautiful Sony spin-off movies. But until then, thank you to everybody who's been listening to We Could Survive That, your weekly Survivor Guide to Movies. Going to see you next week from Madam Web, but until then, keep on surviving and goodbye. <laughs>